0: You know, we, we talk about what did you get for Christmas and all that kind of stuff, and, and uh, that's awesome. But the gift we have in Jesus is everything. And, you know, what did you get for Christmas? Well, uh, certainly I got stuff, but I am most grateful that I have healthy kids, you know, and that God does heal and God does redeem and God does restore. And sometimes that's a process. But he does. He does. The passage that we were talking about from John 1, verses 1 through 5, Pastor John shared in staff uh, devos a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how in the first four verses, it talks about in the beginning was the word. In the, you know, the, the word v- was was used repeatedly. And yet in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, that that is present and future. So grateful for what he did. In the beginning was the word. He was there in the beginning. But that he is also our future. And he is with us today. And how incredibly good that is. Verse 12 But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. So for all the things that you or I may get for Christmas, I don't know if anybody got a new truck. You know, I mean, commercials on TV tell you you got to have a new truck and maybe two, you know. And it will meet your deepest need, right? I mean, everybody enjoys a cool ride, but, you know, trucks will eventually and cars will eventually Fail. But the greatest gift, the greatest gift, is the privilege of receiving him and letting him dwell with us. The greatest is, in my opinion, the most important decision you will ever make, ever, ever, is to accept Jesus as your Savior. All other decisions pale in comparison. There may be important decisions, but the most important thing you can ever do is the decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. And after that, they all can fall into line. But accepting him, and the amazing thing is that he gives us free will. You're not a robot. He gives us free will. And what incredible love God has for us, knowing that some may not return his love. What incredible love he has for us that, that knowing there may be some who choose not to become children of God. It's incredibly tragic, but he gives us the choice. Verse 14 talks about that he lived among us, full of grace and truth, that he dwelled among us. And really that means like tabernacling And and you see that early in Scripture, um, God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then you see that in Exodus with the story there. And then you see that word again at the end of the Scripture in Revelation. In the Greek, um, I didn't take Greek in seminary. John did, as you can tell. Um, I took English because, well, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I took English because I especially didn't want to. uh, Anyway, Um, so, but in the Greek, dwell means dwell. It means, and when you dwell with somebody, that's like sitting down at the table, right? That's like when you dwell with someone, that's more than just a passing or walking by or whatever. To me, dwell means you're sitting down, you're staying You've made a commitment. And the story of the Exodus is told in, in Jewish tradition and in Jewish culture. That story is told in Passover and also in Tabernacles. So you have two major feasts in Scripture that the Jewish people adhere to. And it's the story of the Exodus. And we know the story about how that the children of Israel were in Egypt. They went to Egypt and uh, Moses led them out. He really didn't want to. He wanted somebody else to do it. But he helped lead them out. They crossed the Red Sea. Incredible miracles. It talked about how that the cloud, the, the cloud of, of God would hover over them and the fire would lead them by night. And they traveled in the wilderness. And then the time came that Moses went up onto the mountain to receive the word of the Lord. And the, the children of Israel got whatever... They felt like it took too long and so they told Aaron who was one of the priests they told Aaron you know make for us a god to worship and so he had them bring all their gold and he said you know that he fashioned the calf is what it says and then when Moses is coming down from the mountain um, and he hears the party and evidently it was a significant party And I won't share with you what um, they told us in seminary, because there are people under the age of 12 in here, but it was a party, okay? Did not, was not honoring God. And Moses got mad and threw down the tablets of clay, and he was furious. And Aaron said, (laughs) Aaron said, you know, we just The people wanted something to worship. I mean, he is the ultimate playing dodgeball right here, okay? You know, the people wanted something to worship, and and so we just threw the gold into the fire and out popped this calf. You know? It's what it says. God was wanting to dwell with them, to dwell. In tabernacles, which is celebrated in the fall uh, in Jewish tradition, in Tabernacles, they literally build these kind of, a hut isn't the right word, but these uh, dwelling places. And you, if you drive through North Dallas, you'll see it in some of the Jewish communities. And you have to be able to see the stars, and the wind has to be able to blow through. And some of them lived there for like a week during the Feast of Tabernacles when they remembered how God's faithfulness that in the desert, how he protected them. And they, they tabernacled with God that he was dwelling with them. And it's my understanding, not wanting to crush any thoughts of eternal life here, but when when it says in Scripture, especially in the King James, where it says, for I go to build, you know, I'm making many mansions. um, If you're banking on that, you probably need to check the Greek (laughs) because it's more like dwelling with him. It's not a house. It's dwelling with him. It's being in his presence. So in Exodus 33, God and Moses are having this conversation. And God was so mad at them over the calf and all that kind of stuff. And he was telling Moses, you go on, take these people that you're leading. You know, go ahead and do it, but I'm not going with you. And Moses is talking back to God and saying, the people that you, wanted, <laughs> that you brought out of Egypt you know, that you helped us cross the Red Sea, oh God, we don't want to go on if it's not with your presence. Let me read Exodus. And this is also, if miraculously I can do this without my glasses, and it may... Now, if I have found favor in your sight, Moses is saying, now if I have found favor in your sight... Show me your ways so that I might know you and find favor in your sight. That's repeated. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And God said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. Or how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way, we will be distinct and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. For those that know the Lord. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. And to me, that is really dwelling with God. That we... Are in his presence. That we let him be lord of our lives. Yes we accept Jesus as our savior. And that is a prayer. You don't have to do anything. Except repent. Of our sin. And receive him as savior. But there's more than that. Will we we go on. In learning more about him. Will we go further into learning his ways? Will we dwell with him? Will we dwell with him? When I was 22 years old, my father um, took his own life, and it was um, horrific. Let's see if I can do this. How do these guys do this without a pulpit. I do not understand. I miss the pulpit. I don't want it to be a distraction between you and me, but this is a distraction right now, right? Yes. He does keep notes in his Bible, for those of you that don't know. Anyway. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's smart. And so that morning at the emergency room at Methodist Hospital in Oak Cliff, um, my father was only expected to live a couple of hours. And uh, we were incredibly in shock. And the pastor who came, who was my boss, David Rucker, who was associate pastor at Tyler Street, United Methodist Church, he came and and he shared, he did two things that were really smart. The paramedics, no diss on them, but but the paramedics thought it was just a flesh wound and it, it wouldn't be a problem. And so my mom was like, you can go on, go on back to church. It was a Sunday morning. And he said, well, let's wait till the doctor comes out. And that was a very smart thing because the doctor came out and said he would only live a couple of hours. Um, And he died a little bit before noon. But David shared scripture, and it brought it to a whole new level. In the midst of a really tragic thing, it brought it to a whole new level. And he read from Revelation 21. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals, and he will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more, mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Then he said, It is accomplished, or it is done. Very similar to what Jesus said on the cross. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And in sharing that scripture, it raised our eyes beyond what was very real, before us, to that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And this life is not all there is. It doesn't end with this. But there is eternity. And, And we are in between. Advent is about, yes, Jesus coming as a baby, but it's also that he will return. He will return and dwell with us. Rachel Knight has a teaching that she does in the engaged class, and I'm kind of stealing it, but I'm giving credit, um, because it's awesome. And if you're in the engaged class, sorry, you get to hear it again. But she talks about how in the Message Bible, the quotes from John 1 14 and the quotes from Revelation 21, 3 through 5, in the Message Bible... It says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That sounds like dwelling, right? He moves into your neighborhood. And then in Revelation 21, in the message, it says, I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They are his people, and he is their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus came to live among us. That is the best gift you will ever get. Ever. World without end. Amen. Jesus came to live among us. And by his spirit, he is still with us. He is still with us. He came to dwell among us. To tabernacle with us. So how do we respond? How do we dwell with him? What kind of time do we spend with him? See, God is not someone or something to be checked off a bucket list. Oh, my goodness. He is everything. He's everything. Is he is he my everything? Is he your everything? Do I, do I talk with him enough? Do I walk with him? Do I dwell with him? And I would say if I'm very honest, some days are better than others. On my part. Not God's part. On my part. Right? Right? Just being real. In Advent, it's just busy to the point that Lauren likes to say when it's Advent, tis tis the season because it's just so busy, you know. And after lessons and carols, it's it's better and y'all are all involved and it's wonderful and great and all that, but it's really busy to the point that we've coined the phrase also Advent brain because, you know, sometimes it's so busy you just can't remember everything. Advent's awesome. It's awesome, but but he also will be returning. He will be coming back. So how do we dwell with him during Advent? Um, I missed a few quiet times, and I'd love to say every morning, you know, it's me. I'm there. But there were a couple of mornings we had some hospital stuff going on and all that, and a reality, but should not be an excuse. And I have felt it after about a day. And on the second day, I was really feeling it. And my thinking was, well, I'll get to work, and I can read my Bible some and all of that. And while that happened to a degree, I had to repent. I had to repent because I felt like, You know, in this season when so many people are needing things and and all of that, I have to be plugged into God. I have to be using that time. I have to be in Bible study and I have to be in prayer. So, how do you feed your spirit? How do you feed your spirit? We feed our bodies, right? We put gas in the car, we pay the electric bill you charge your phone maybe you play games on your phone to keep your brain active don't you love how they hook you with that you know for people of my generation you know keep your brain healthy Um, how do you feed your spirit well the answers are pretty simple I think one would be prayer talking to God just talking it doesn't have to be any special form or whatever be real he's real he's real Be real. If you're afraid, I'm afraid. You know, if you're troubled, I mean, say it. If it's wonderful, that's great. Prayer. Bible study. We've got to be in daily Bible study. The Word is active and living, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not just another book. It's the Word of God. And it changes my life and it changes your life. And I need to be in it more. I need to spend more time with that. I think we need to be in small groups or whatever you want to call them. But but just being in a group of people to say, you know, how are you doing? Or pray for me. Or how cool that thing happened. Look at what God did. Discipleship takes it to another level. I've been a Christian for a long time. I accepted the Lord in a watch night service on December 31st. That would be the watch night service, you know, uh, when I was 13 years old. But there is so much I need to learn and so much more I need to trust God in and so much more understanding his provision that it's not about my financial status, but it's God's provision to us. And when when there's an issue with provision, pray about it. Ask Him, God, how are you going to do this? Help me know what to do. Help me know what to do. So, how was your year? Not asking what you got for Christmas, but how was your year? Good or difficult or somewhere in the middle? Whatever has happened really doesn't matter and I don't try to I don't say that in a cruel or harsh way or being indifferent to people's pain because I get it I mean I get it but it seems to me what really matters is how we respond when unexpected things happen are we going to say we trust God when things happen we don't understand are we going to trust him the day my dad died of um, pastor's wife came to the house um, when we were back at my mom's house and, and she said don't be mad at God be mad at the devil you know this, this wasn't of God your dad was listening to the wrong voice and he was and he was how we respond sometimes in difficult times holding on to God He's holding on to us, but we hold on. We hold on. God is faithful, and sometimes faithfulness, and I'm sorry, I didn't ask permission, and I'm asking, I'm apologizing in advance, but sometimes faithfulness is coming to church when it's hard to walk. You with me? That's faith. That's faith. Many of you know that Amalia airs, and I do have permission for this. Sorry, Brendan, uh, but I talked to Chris. Amalia, um, what about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, she began having trouble um, finding her words, and they just thought maybe you know chemo brain or something. But she started having trouble finding her words, and so I got the text kind of late one Sunday night, one s- evening, uh, that they were at the ER at Baylor downtown, that she was really struggling with her words. And she had found out about two weeks earlier that the cancer had moved to her lung and to the chest wall, very aggressive cancer. And they heard the news that night and confirmed in the morning when I was sitting with them there that um, it was now in her brain. And there was a large tumor and a smaller tumor. The smaller tumor was about the size of a uh, yolk of a hard-boiled egg. And then a smaller one that had come up, and there was concern because there was two. Um, and I was, I was with them in the room when they got that news. That's news no one wants to hear, right? I mean, they got about the worst thing you can hear that day. And Amalia couldn't say a lot. I mean, she would say words, but she'd get frustrated And she couldn't write. And this is a woman that would read avidly. If you've ever seen her Facebook post, there's like 18 books she read in the last five minutes. You know, of you know, I mean, it's just unbelievable how she reads. And that was her thing. And she's a school teacher, and working with ESL students at her school, dream job. And the one thing she could say repeatedly was, "It doesn't matter." It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now, there were other words that she could say, like when the hospital delivered for dinner green beans, and she does not care for those. And she made that abundantly clear with no filters, I might add. But um, so I, I took her off my Christmas list of giving her green beans. Um, but when they had done the biopsy on her lung, she said the first thing... When she woke up, this was a couple of weeks prior, the very first thought that came to her as she was coming out from the anesthesia, she felt like God was saying, it's going to be okay. And you will minister to many women. So how do we respond? We're about to go into the new year. In the Jewish faith and in the Jewish culture, Uh, For Jews that are serious about their faith, the Jewish New Year, they spend the month prior to that time in prayer and in repentance over anything in the previous year that maybe had happened or relationships that need to be restored or anything like that. It's a very serious time. What we are known for often with New Year's Eve is how many people drink adult beverage, and then go down to Times Square and make an absolute fool of themselves in front of international TV. A poor substitute for the Holy Spirit. So my question to you is, what do you need to lay down before 2020 begins? What have you been carrying? And maybe not. But if there's anything that that you need to lay down, that's just a part of worship as much as praise and thanksgiving is laying down our stuff. We don't want to go anywhere without his presence, right? As individuals, as a church, we don't want to go anywhere without his presence, Not into 2020. I mean, not to the grocery store. Advent is celebrating the birth of Jesus. But it's also the one that will return someday. We're in the in between. He will return and make all things new and wipe every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more pain and no more suffering. For the old things have passed away, and behold, the new has come. So my prayer for us all is that even in the midst of struggle, we would see that he will be returning again in great power and might. And every nation, every kingdom will acknowledge that that he reigns, he reigns.